Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I am your host, Chase Merrill, and we are all about helping people get freed up from what's holding them back so they can build up who they were made to be. On today's episode of the podcast, I have my mom, Shelly Merrill, with me today. We just celebrated Mother's Day a few days ago, and I couldn't think of a better way to do that than to share this conversation with the world today. She's incredible, the way she loves people, both my brother and I, my my dad, and just the stranger that she meets like the, the day of. She just makes people feel so loved and seen, and getting to hear her journey and what she's walked through, the ups and the downs, and how she has looked at life throughout that process, I am telling you, is going to be such an encouragement to you today. If you want to help us continue to make an impact with this podcast week in and week out, consider joining our new Patreon community. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can be a part of helping us get the message and mission of the podcast out to more people more effectively. This is a way that we can come together as a community and you'll get access to behind the scenes stuff, additional resources and content and so much more for just as little as $5 a month. You can head over to chasemerrill.com and click Patreon to jump in and get started. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Frontline Coffee Co. Delicious, bold, and expertly roasted small batch coffee for the everyday American. Frontline is not just about coffee. They're about supporting responders on the front lines, courageously caring for the rest of us. With every Frontline purchase, a percentage goes to supporting the brave men and women who are doing just that. Head over to FrontlineCoffeeCo.com and use promo code FREEDUP. That's F-R-E-E-D-U-P, all one word, FREEDUP, to get 15% off your purchase. Now let's jump into today's conversation. Well... This is, this is a special one. I have today on the podcast, my mom, Shelly Jean Merrill with me. Hi, mom. Hey, you. How are you? Good, good. Good. This is, uh, this is awesome to get to sit down with my mom. Yes. I'm yeah. very excited about it. Uh, the, the, the thought of having, you know, Mother's Day, this is going to be, put out around Mother's Day. And, you know, I knew from obviously the beginning of starting the podcast, my mom Mm -hmm. is going to be on here. It just was a matter of when. I know, you know, you might be a little nervous uh, being here today, but just super thankful that you said yes and jumping into having a conversation. I can't wait to share more of, yeah, who you are with the world and the people that are listening to this podcast on a regular basis, but then those that might come and find it later. Um, so yeah, thank you for being with me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, uh, this podcast, you know, has been something that has been a a journey for me. Um, so far, I think this is going to end up being episode, I believe, I think this is going to be the 20th episode that is released. Wow. Yeah. That's That's awesome. Uh, you've been such a massive support in, in, in a lot of things in life. We'll talk about some of that in a minute. But with the podcast specifically, and, uh, you know, I know that the, the way that you and dad and uh, Landon, you know, my brother, some of our family have supported this journey um, has been monumental for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, so now to get to have you on here, it just is really special for me. So uh, let's do this. Take mm-hmm. a, 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 just a moment and okay. give people just a snapshot. Like, where, where are you right now in the world in this season of life? And so people know, you know, just give us some framework of, of who you are in this season. Okay. Well, I'm Shelly Jean Merrill and just turned 58 and I've been married to your dad almost 40 years. This coming in September. She's, uh, yep. I was 18, graduated in June, got married in September. 
Yeah. And then dad had just turned 20. And so there our journey starts. Well, kind yeah. of. I started a little before that, but yeah. I started liking your dad when I was 13. I had a crush on him in youth group, but uh, my mom and dad wouldn't let me date till I turned 16. So it was the big, the big hurry up and wait. Yeah. And then I uh, just only saw your dad at youth group or church or activities. And then right before I turned 16, your dad asked my dad if he could take me on a date. And uh, then the story kind of unfolds from there. And uh, so about two years ago, this June, we moved here to Arizona after a great four years almost in Washington, being next to you guys and the yeah. grandkids, getting to be a part of your guys' daily life, which was awesome. Yeah. And uh, dad had opportunity to come here and finish out his career possibly as building official and um, yeah, just taking one day at a time. Yeah. New season for sure. We got to talk for a second just about your guys, you know, becoming, uh, your dating, courting, and then getting engaged and married just for a moment because that it's such a, um, an uncommon story that, you know, there's, there's lots of those that from your generation and before not lost, there are more of them. There's less of them now. So hearing right. people that are a still married, almost right. 40, 40 years, but then also that that started, you know, at 13 or so right, uh, right. is pretty uncommon. How right. was, how was that like that moment for you when, you know, dad asked Papa, for his permission to date you like were you nervous about that like just give me just talk to me a little bit about that that season Um, and that moment well dad didn't tell me and I didn't know till after my dad told me that he had come over one one night when I wasn't home and asked you know your papa if he can take take me on a date and uh, my dad said well not until I have my first date with my daughter and then you can take her on a date so papa actually took me on my very first date and then your kind of, dad came to kind of show you like, okay, this is how, yep. you know, yeah, how I'm supposed to be treated. Yes. Yeah. And then the next night your dad got to come and take me on a date. He showed up with the corsage and it was oh. very, very formal. <laughs> My mom took pictures and yeah, so it was pretty fun. Very special. Wow. Yeah. And so was yeah. he, if you were, so you were 16 was he still a senior or did he already graduate? I can't remember. Uh, he had already graduated. Okay. Um, actually, no, not quite yet. It was April. So he graduated in June from high school. Okay. okay so he's Two still months a later. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So I still can remember it. And I uh, went to a, a restaurant called, um, I can't remember, but it was an Orange Hill restaurant in California. Yeah. And I remember dad just making it real special and. Yeah, it was just a very um, something we had waited for for a long time. You know, yeah. just always being with our friends. We were never allowed to be alone together, type thing, yeah. until I turned sixteen. So it was a very um, special time. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then the fact that you guys got engaged two years basically after that. Yeah. How how was it being engaged your senior year? Like for a few months, like being around friends and people, like with a engagement ring. Yeah, it was very exciting. Uh, we Dad and I were growing up in the same youth group. So, and I went to high school with all the same friends I was in youth group with. And so it was a very uh, big celebration in church and high school. Everybody kind of knew Larry Merrill and yeah. uh, knew that, you know, it was something that they anticipated and knew what happened at one point. They didn't know what happened so soon. But uh, 
my my dad said, are you sure? You know, I'll buy you a new car. I'll, I'll, I'll take you on a vacation to Hawaii. If you'll just wait for a couple of years. And I said, no, I, I really want to get married. Yeah. So yeah, we got engaged in April of 1983 and then got married in September. So yeah. That's cute. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I they hear the 40 number. Like that's just mind blowing mm-hmm. when I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's mind blowing for me too, actually. Yeah. It's gone by so fast. Yeah. And a lot of adventures for yes. sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so one of the things that um is, you know, unique to my journey and Landon's journey as as men and people, you know, in, in the our own lives uh, is part of the process of how much you wanted to be a mom um, as, you know, you got married and had become a wife and that part being, uh, it, took a, it took a while and was challenging. Yes. Yes. That Would you take a moment and just talk a little bit about that, that journey? I, and, and you don't have to go into it, maybe a ton of detail, but I just, and I realized that like, um, there's a lot of people that I mm-hmm. know who have, or are struggling in that space and to hear just somebody else's journey who's kind of been through it and you know what what brought you through it where you are now when it comes to the the challenge of um you know having children in that whole process and just some of the things that led up to it would you would you be willing to just sure. un- unpack it a little bit yeah so dad and i uh like you said um we got married at 18 he was 20 about the time I turned 20 and dad was turning 22, we're like, we want to have a baby and this kind of thing. And I always wanted to be a mom and never anticipating it would ever be a struggle to get pregnant. And uh, so the journey started and one year went by, second year went by. We're like, what's going on? Why? You know, yeah. and we're, we're Christians. We love the Lord. You know, I claim the scripture, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, four. And I'm like, all my friends were starting to either get married or, you know, back then a lot of kids did get married younger. So I couldn't figure out why uh, the Lord wasn't hearing my prayer or something. And uh, about year five of trying year six, it got pretty discouraging. Yeah. We would go, we would go to different churches in the area and go down the altar to be prayed for. Uh, <clears throat> it got to the point where I would say, okay, Lord, is there something in my life that I haven't asked for forgiveness for? And then I would look at your dad and go, was there something in your life you haven't <laughs> yeah. asked forgiveness for? Because you're you're just trying to figure right. out trying, what's yeah. keeping it from happening. So uh, now we're talking seven years, about seven years later. Um, uh, about six years, I had started kind of asking dad to really think about adoption. And dad didn't feel the urgency yet to go that route. I felt the urgency. And so kind of put the filter out a little bit, started looking at different adoption agencies. Um, um, not back then, it was online. It was more, you had to do the footwork to find the agency to right. get the application packet and that type of thing. And then probably year seven, dad was away somewhere hunting on a hunting trip. <laughs> and he called me early, early in the morning and said, hey, you know, the Lord just laid on my heart that, yeah, you have my blessing to go ahead and submit the application packet for adoption. And I was just on it. I mean, there was no wasting time. I got that thing finished. Actually the packet was already finished, but I just got it off in the mail and it probably was maybe three weeks later. Um, not knowing at the time, but, um, I had 
conceived you and not knowing it. And so, uh, wow. yeah, it was just like, I don't know if the Lord was just waiting for that willing heart for a dad to say, yeah, you have my blessing to do the adoption process or, or what have you. But the official time we found out was uh, September, Labor Day weekend type thing in 1990. We found out we were officially pregnant. And by that time, I was already almost three months pregnant. And and because uh, I think, you know, when you're going through the process of trying to have a baby, the amount of times you'll take a pregnancy test and hear the word negative, it just, it's just gut-wrenching. It crushes you. You're sitting in the lobby with all these other women that are there for the same reason to find out if they're pregnant or not. Back then, anyways, they had you sit in the same lobby. And to go through that, you felt rejection. You felt uh. discouragement after prayer, after prayer. And then, and you, it wasn't like a telephone thing. You had to, the nurse would come and call you and say it was negative type thing. And so because of that fear, I allowed almost three months to go by until I officially could find out, like, I didn't want any guesses. And I finally, um, I was so afraid to go to the doctors that in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep. And so I got up and I just said, okay, Lord, you have to tell me I'm pregnant. And so I just opened up the Bible and it fell to Deuteronomy 7. And it talks about where there'll be no famine in land. And the, you know, it talks about the animals, you know, giving birth to live, you know, creatures or what have you. And, and it sounds silly, but it was like the Lord spoke through those scriptures and it talked about no barren, you know, yeah. animals in the land and what have you. And I was like, I just started sobbing. I knew that I knew the Lord had, Lord had told me I was pregnant before no. I, I officially had a medical test, you know? Yeah. So the amount of people in our lives that had been rooting for us, praying for us for over seven years, um, seven and a half years, give or take that week when the call started going out and coming in that we were going to have a baby, I well, your dad and I probably received over a hundred congratulation cards. Wow. Just congratulations on having it, uh, going to have a baby, not yeah. having the baby. Like yeah. nowadays you just kind of like send a card when someone has a baby, but the, the rejoicing was so great from my, uh, grandparents to my aunts, to my uncles, to my cousins, to our friends in church, to, uh, people far and wide, yeah. um, people we lived out in corona california at the time i remember that afternoon people drove from all over to come to our house that afternoon when they found out we we're gonna have a baby it was like a big party yeah and um so i'll never forget that and then you know you were born in april you know 1991 and even then the amount of people it was just such a it was a spiritual time but then it was of course a, you know a tangible time but to see God's faithfulness, yeah. you know, and, and also relating, I was so able to relate to so many of the women in the Bible who waited for a baby yeah, and, and uh, then they had a son, you know? And so I just knew God had a, you know, a reason and you came at the perfect time. So yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah, it's, I have, I just have a lot of friends and people that I know, and I know you do as well, um, that, when it comes to fertility, when it comes to being able to um, have a baby or having gone through just the tragedy and the the, the trauma and grief of miscarriage or miscarriages, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that there's just a yeah like you mentioned the word discouragement ho- hopelessness and mm-hmm. uh you know i think our our story my my story your story um around how the lord in his timing allowed that to happen years after you had started trying and wanted to and it's just such a mystery uh there's no formula you know to it but but just know that um you know i just know a lot of people that are that's that's part of their journey and a part of their struggle and right and right. it's a really hard place to be right. it seems it seems like something that um you can't just you know get get through like uh, get over right it's something that it's totally a process and it is uh, yeah, yeah. Would, would you um if you know like let's say somebody's listening to this and that's where they're at right now maybe they've had some they have had a miscarriage or miscarriages maybe they've had um you know negative tests after negative tests what's something that you would say to encourage them when you think about where you were at when you think about where they're at right now um looking back i i would tell that young bride or young wife or whatever stage or season that god knows god knows where you're at he knows your heartache, your heartbreak. Um, and reflecting back, you know, I didn't mention, I'll mention it now. Um, in that one year before I had you, I did have a miscarriage and I didn't know I was pregnant until I had the miscarriage. Um, but one year later you came and then during that miscarriage, the hope came that I can get pregnant. I didn't even know if I could get pregnant. And so when then God gave me that glimmer of hope, that was like a the the building block. And then yeah. also realizing that there wasn't anything that I had done personally that was a punishment from the Lord or um it wasn't some prayer I was doing wrong or right. And also that uh between your dad and I, you know, the enemy would want to take that situation and turn us against each other. Right. And use that as a discouragement. And then, I mean, at one point I even told your dad, hey, you know, I would understand if if you wanted to move on with your life, you know, if I can't give you a child, if there's something wrong with me, we can't have a baby. I don't want to stop you from having kids. And then dad looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to dissolve our marriage because we can't get pregnant. Yeah. But that's the point I got to, like the discouragement of seven years of that long waiting period. Um, but looking back now, I, I just would say, trust the process and that, you know, we don't know how God's going to work things out. And yeah. I still to this day would have opened our home to an adoption also, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have ruled it out. It's just that that's just kind of how it fell into place for us. Right. But I wouldn't say, Oh, don't adopt. Cause you'll, you'll probably get pregnant or this is my story. So it might happen to you. But, but I would just say to the person in that, in that, deep heart like that i i got to the point where i didn't want to go to church on mother's day i didn't want to hear anything about um someone having a baby shower you know i didn't want to hear my friends say they're going to have a baby um because it wasn't just a disappointment anymore it was heart-wrenching yeah and it's a long wait seven years is a long wait and so um i would say not to give in to what the enemy would want you to keep you isolated and want you to get mad at God. Right. And I would say just lean even closer into the Lord and take some scriptures that he speaks to you and claim them for you. Yeah. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And, uh, I know now, of course, now that we see when you were born and what have you, uh, you were born between the seventh and eighth year of our marriage, looking back, God knew, God knew better than us. 
that's when we were planned to be parents is during that time. And um, he had a plan for your life and a plan for Lana's life. And if we would have tried to rush it any other way, I think we would have altered God's, you know, purpose. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. And, uh, and thanks for, thanks for sharing. I know that that's, you know, yeah. not necessarily a, um, a part of a journey that is always the most comfortable to relive mm-hmm. or think about, mm-hmm. but I just know there's a lot of people in that space that that's going to really encourage yes. uh, and help them as they process. Yeah. So, uh, so then a couple of years after I was born, uh, yet another boy mm-hmm. and, uh, Landon Merrill, mm-hmm. Landon Philip Merrill. Yes. Uh, yes. and then, you know, obviously just the two of us growing up, but something that it was, you know, evidently clear to Landon and I, and still to this day we experience this, was how much it seemed like you loved being a mom, like Mm -hmm. the joy Mm -hmm. and fulfillment that Mm -hmm. you had in your heart uh, being a mom uh, Mm -hmm. was evident for Landon and I. And uh, that's something that, again, it feels uncommon. I, I don't feel like um, I feel like especially in today's day, like this generation of people in my age and, and maybe even a little, little younger, a little older, there's such a, um, I don't know. I mean, again, this is, I have to be careful how I say this because I, what I'm not trying to communicate to people is, um, that there's, you, you should, you know, especially to the, to the the gender role stuff, uh, you know, like women shouldn't have to be moms that stay home and the guys, the husbands have to work. And none of that is because you worked a lot throughout, you know, um, those years as well. Mm -hmm. But, but I, but I, it feels like there's less and less and less of a contentment with motherhood, Mm. um, in regards to like the joy, it's hard, Mm -hmm. obviously there's not, it's always easy, Mm -hmm. uh, as I've experienced it as a dad, but then watch Holly, my wife experienced motherhood. She, she puts a lot of work in every single day. Yes, um, she does. You know, but I think about how much I felt that from you growing up. Like my mm-hmm. mom loves being my mom. I'm not like some burden to her or I'm not like in the way of her mm-hmm. dreams and aspirations and goals or, you know, mm-hmm. like I am, I am, I feel like she loves me and is so in, filled with joy to get to be my mom and get to be a part of raising me. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, like, can you tell me your perspective on that? That's how I felt, but like, how how was that for you? And just yeah. the journey of motherhood in general, raise, raising Landon and I, just some yeah. thoughts that you'd have in that space. Yeah. Um, well, just, just to start, you know, dad and I, because it took so long to have a baby, we we're like, well, okay, I guess we'll just pursue the American dream and buy a house and buy a little bit more out of our means because we're both working full time. You know, this is what's happening. Little did we know we were going to end up getting pregnant right away after buying the house out in Corona, California. And um, I got to be on maternity leave for about three months. And the reality hit when I had to start taking to a sitter at 530 in the morning. And it was it just broke my heart, broke dad's heart. You know, like this is not what we wanted, you know. And uh, so we would drive home traffic 91 freeway get home so excited to pick you up from the sitter and we barely get like an hour with you and you're dozing off to sleep i'm like and i'd be in tears and dad's like that's it he put the for sale sign in the front yard and he uh-huh. applied for a second job at uc irvine because he was a plumber 
during the day. Yeah. And they had an opening for a maintenance man at night. And uh, it would allow us to live in family housing. And my desire to be home full time with you was so strong that owning a house no longer mattered to me over uh, being home full time with you. So that was the determining factor. So from then on, it was our purpose was I'd be home full time with you guys. And I surrounded myself with other young moms at the campus. Every day we were out with our strollers, our kids, and we didn't have Pinterest. We didn't have social media. (laughs) We didn't have, we didn't have cell phones. Right. And we had to mark our calendar when we're going to meet up for play dates at the park and meeting up at, at the beach or what what have you. But I surrounded myself continually with other young moms. We were all purposed to have fun with our kids teach you guys about Jesus from the very earliest time I could start going to mops, mothers of preschoolers. I was there taking you guys with me. Um, Dad and I were taking you guys to church from the time you guys were babies. Yeah. And um, it, it just, it, I didn't even think twice about owning a house anymore. It, all those things didn't matter compared to being a mom. Yeah. And uh, I just remember just something, a simple task. And I know I've mentioned this to Holly before, and other young moms before something as simple as folding the clothes. I appreciated it so much that I took it as an opportunity. And when I was folding your garments or Lennon's garments, I would pray for you guys. And I thought something as simple of a task of mundane routine chore. I could take it as an opportunity for praying for your guys' lives. Yeah. And uh, you have to fold them anyways. So might yeah. as well make it on That's purpose, good. you know, yeah. right? Yeah. And I really believe those moments mattered, yeah. you know, and uh, I made it a priority to uh, be available, you know, let you guys play, be kids, but also we made available teaching you guys about the Lord. Yeah. And from the young age, you guys watching videos and what have you. And it, it, uh, I wouldn't say the word rubbed off, but I really believe that. You guys watched what happened in the home, yeah. And from a young age, you were you were asking the Lord in your heart and wanted to tell others in the you know apartment community on UC Irvine about <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, right. And you know, it just it was it was almost like the Lord just was all over it, and the joy that Dad and I both had in co-parenting together. Yeah, we still enjoy co-parenting together, but yeah. the support I had from your dad was tremendous you know he saw the importance of me being home with you guys full time and you know and i'm not knocking any parents that both need to work that's everybody has to do what they need to do but when you are home be there that's my encouragement when you are home be there because the time is going to go by so fast and you know yeah yeah it's so good that's a challenge that for i know both husbands and wives moms and dads that, that being present mm-hmm. thing uh, mm-hmm. when you are home uh, is so challenging. And mm-hmm. it's probably more challenging than we than it needs to be because of how we've allowed, you know, different habits and, you know, even addictions to screens and social media and things that have created it more difficult. But that's such a good reminder. It's something God's been challenging me with more and more as I'm in young stage of fatherhood, uh, mm-hmm. raising our four kids. Um but yeah, so, okay, so can you, this is, I'm thinking about Landon. Okay. okay. Landon is, you know, one of my best friends in the mm-hmm. world as mm-hmm. my only brother, my younger brother. Um, and 
and, and so our relationship we have now, obviously, you know, we, he was the first episode of the podcast and mm-hmm. just love him so much, uh, enjoy him so much. Um, and we, uh, we enjoy each other all together, like our family, like we just, you know, right. can't, can't get enough of that. Yeah. But, but just for a snapshot, like that wasn't, we didn't always love and enjoy each other every day growing up, um, mm-hmm. maybe necessarily as we were younger, but just how was it raising two boys that were, you know, less than two years apart? And mm-hmm. uh, just that idea, like maybe even for those that are there raising young boys or mm-hmm. young kids, but maybe some specifically, what are just yeah. some things that you're thinking about when you experience that you would encourage people with or some things that yeah. yeah come to your mind and heart when you think about raising boys? Yeah. Well, um, for you, you didn't like to sleep. Ugh. You like to be up at the crack of dawn and wanted to be ready to go. And then Landon loves sleep. Yeah, And he would, I mean, from the time he was a baby, he would take two, three hour naps, you know, and then we had you, you would take off and visit the neighbor while we're all napping, Yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you're out canvassing the apartments and bringing home a bouquet of balloons. And I'm like, where did you get those? You know, Um, but no, but your guys' personalities, it was really good for both of us to uh, raise you both and see the different gifts you both had. And uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I think you and I had more conflict, like the talking back kind of thing when you were in yeah. grade school. Yeah. Landon was real passive and yes, and would do what I would say. Then him and I had more conflict when he was in middle school. Yeah. Just that whole talking back and forth thing. Um, but it's been a joy, I think, to see you guys' gifts compliment each other. Um, just the years of seeing you guys play out in the backyard together. You guys would make a plan. You get all your stuff laid out of the accessories you're going to put on for whatever role you're playing, whether it be army or hunters or, you know, Marvel characters or star Wars characters. Um, You always had a plan and you needed all the the necessary things for that specific role you were going to play. And by the time you got all figured out, it's time to come in for dinner or something like that, you know? But and then watching you guys as you grew into like middle school, high school. I was remembering a time when the cell phones first came out. And you already had like, I think you only had your cell phone for like a week and you had over like 200 contacts in your phone. And then you and I were having this conversation on the phone. I'm like, how can you have 200 contacts in your phone? And back then. You paid for like every phone call, every minute. It wasn't like unlimited, you know, and you were using more data than me, dad, (laughs) Lana combined. And we couldn't find a plan that would be like balanced for all of our phones and stuff. And I just remember going, that's it. You know, you need to limit the amount of phone, you know, contacts you have. And, and back then I should have seen even then the call God had on your life, you know, um, people were drawn to you and. And uh, Landon, people were drawn to him. You each had your own things that you're into. You know, uh, when Landon was out there filming little short little clips of little things for school, and then you're out planning for school club events, Bible club events, what have you. You both had these missions in life that are totally opposite, but yet would come together. Yeah. And then I had the great gift of getting to work at your high school. Yeah. I got to be the, I got to be the attendance clerk at your high school, Lance high school. And I got the honor of sometimes you guys would come in, mom, I need money for lunch or mom, I I don't feel good. Or mom, you know, I forgot this at home. I need this for the Christian club this today. And I need my ice chest. Can you give me permission to drive home or whatever? It's just like, how awesome is that? That 
God even saw through the details that I got to be a part of your lives and your friends' lives. And then our home got to be an open home for your guys' friends. Yeah. And it was a home where the friends wanted to hang out along with you guys. Yeah. And um, it, I would, if I could give any encouragement to parents, it'd be make your home available to your kids' friends and yeah. let your kids have the freedom to bring them home. Even when it's not convenient, whenever you're tired, keep your freezer stocked with stuff they can throw in the microwave. You know, you had friends that were making up things to eat at three in the morning. Yeah. You yeah, know, we did. We and did. and then I got to the point on Sunday mornings, a lot of them would be there waking up after spending the night and we'd all try to get to church. And it got to the point where I, everybody had a their own personalized toothbrush with their name on it because <laughs> because I knew yeah. we'd have anywhere from three to four kids at least spending yeah. on Saturday night. And then they would get rides with us to church. And it's yeah. like, I am so thankful for that time and that season of being available. Just yeah making it a fun place to be. And I really believe because of that, your friends, Lana's friends got to see a real loving family that loves their kids, loves Jesus. And it kind of all just was real and authentic. Yeah. 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 That, that piece of your, one of the things that is probably, it's probably outside of your genuine love for Jesus and your love for us. Um, and and dad, your family. Uh, the thing that I think is the the most obvious and special mark on your life is how you engage and see and love people. Mm. Now, that's a broad, but let me try to get a little bit more specific. Like, and and when I think about part of how I'm wired when it comes to people, I realize this is where, you know, and dad loves people really well too. So it's not that he's, he's not this way, but you have just a crazy like ability to remember to, it's not just remember details. It's like, remember the important connecting details Mm. with people Mm. like from a person that, I mean, just, it's just, and, and so I, I see myself in different places and spaces having some of those things over my life too. And I go, okay, I told, it's from my mom. But mm. but the thing that I think people, uh, it's unmistakable about you is how much you're willing to engage and remember and um, not give up on people and friendships mm. and connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the most base level connection with a person that you may have had, if there's some chance someplace else in life that you can have a reconnection with that person, you make it happen. Whether it's Facebook message mm. or a, a letter mm. or a phone call or a, come to our house. It is. It's so special and mm. it's so uh, refreshing because it's it's like, you know, I'm sure at some level, at times it's probably been to your detriment, but here's what I mean. It, it just, it feels like um, nobody is an inconvenience to you. Mm. Like nobody is um, so much of a burden that you wouldn't make space for or... Mm-hmm. sacrifice and surrender what you ultimately would want so that Mm -hmm. they could be cared for um again could could be to your detriment at times um but also more than not it has been such a powerful special thing that has Mm -hmm. impacted people and it's obviously impacted me but like what what does that in you why is that you why is that Uh, there i looking at my mom and your grandma yeah. I'm sure I got that from her. I would I would attribute to her. Yeah. Her making um valuing the one, you know, making that person feel seen 
and noticed and it um nothing speaks jesus like loving someone unconditionally yeah and being available noticing them calling them like you said sending in them a letter a note card um the art of sending letters is starting i feel a lot of people don't do that anymore or they don't do it as often as they would like but i really think that's still a very important thing the yeah. value of your taking the time to handwrite the note put an envelope put a stamp mail it yeah that says volumes and and sometimes the lord allows it to arrive on just the right day just the right time um we hear all these reports of isolation and how people are so highly affected by being alone and if someone, I really am a believer of this. If a name comes to your mind, go with it. Yeah. Follow through. Don't think it's an accident. It's yep. not. I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning, in the afternoon. Usually the Lord will prompt me to think about that person for a reason. If it means to pray for them, call them, send them a card, go with it. That's yeah. my encouragement is it, I don't think it's an accident. And we may not always know the uh, reason they yeah. came to our mind, but sometimes we do get to hear the reason they came to our mind and yeah. they both are just as important. And the reason isn't relevant. It's the Lord wanting them to be seen and noticed and loved. And we don't know what's going to draw them to Jesus or keep them with Jesus or yeah. keep them on track. But um, I just, I value people. I, uh, people, you and I, you know, we've always raised you guys people over things. Yeah. People are more important than things. So, you know, uh, if we could keep that perspective, you know, even people over time, you know, it's just it's uh it's not convenient to serve and it's not convenient to make time for that person, you know, on the phone sometimes, but that's what Jesus would do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 what is so evident. Mm. The the Jesus factor in your life. Um, because there's a great, kind, generous, compassionate, loving people out there oh, yeah. um, that may not have Jesus uh, in the center of their life, but but it but it is clear that that's what's the driving motivator for you when it comes mm -hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was something I, I loved about when I got to be in middle school and high school from playing football. You know, thinking about Mammoth Lakes, California, playing Mammoth youth football. Mm -hmm. Those some of those friends to. Um, you know, to the high school friends that you kind of already mentioned. Like I knew I could bring them around into my home and they were going to experience Jesus mm. by encountering you and dad, mm. uh, that they weren't going to that. And and a lot of them, you know, didn't have that, right. They didn't have mm. that in their home, maybe to the that extent. And so um, to be able to come in and like, you know, be, be in a desert of their own family, but they to come into our home and see you and you make space to treat them like you treated me and Landon, you know, mm -hmm. like, and yes, grandma does this, right. I can see it. You know, she, she's become everybody's grandma that mm -hmm. all my friends and, and you really did that as well as a mom. Like you mm -hmm. just, if they were my friend or they were somebody, I was like, Hey, you know, or Landon, you were like, what do you, what can I get you to eat? You know, mm -hmm. where do you, do you need somewhere to sleep tonight or whatever? It just, mm -hmm. I loved being able to do that with my friends mm -hmm. to be able mm -hmm. to know we could be here and you mm -hmm. can, my, my parents are cool, but also they're going to love you. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
it just was so special to me. But I've watched you guys continue to do that even when it wasn't just about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, I've watched you and dad do really well that I want to kind of transition into here, this, this kind of this next chunk. As much as you um, poured yourselves into parenting uh, mm-hmm. and mother- motherhood, specifically for you, while raising Landon and I, when we eventually um, moved out and mm-hmm. were no longer living in your uh, home under your roof, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was, well, let me say this. Now, even from then, like you didn't stop loving people and pursuing people and friendships and connections and relationships. Like you continued to like run hard after that. And it wasn't like all of a sudden that stopped for you or it was totally contingent on us being in your home. Um, But what I do want to take a moment and acknowledge is that transition period. uh, Because I also, again, speaking of people that I know, speaking of families that Mm -hmm. um, I've heard conversations around the, the, the challenge of the transition period of the their kids leaving the home and Mm. they've spent however many years 18 to who knows how long 25 maybe years of pouring into raising their a lot of their identity Mm -hmm. and time and energy and resource going into this this human being that is now going to leave and no longer be as needing them uh there's a lot it's a lot that's a huge identity shift uh we we talked to us about that for a little bit like what how was that for you and If you were to give some encouragement to to other parents that might be in that season or coming into that season, what's what's some yeah. things that you would encourage them with? Um, I would say to um, kind of start having a plan while they're in high school and while they're in college. Um, I think I could have been better at that um, because I think the transition was very hard. Yeah. Uh, I had to learn a new identity and a new purpose. And uh, also for dad and I to figure out who we are with each other again, you right. know, uh, how do we had to really be purposeful on our relationship and, and discover, okay, God, what's next? Yeah. What do you have planned for me? And the Lord is totally open doors for me. And um, if I would have been closed at that new chapter, I would have missed out on a lot. Yeah. And your story's not over when your kids graduate from high school. And your story is not over when your kids get married and your story is not over when your grandkids are born. Those are all amazing things. Right. And as much as I love our grandkids, I had to realize that I still had a purpose in some other areas of my life that uh, I had to be open to. And uh, just like the first probably six months moving here to Arizona, moving away from you guys, that was a big identity crisis for me. Yeah. And, um, right, because you'd you'd gotten to really lean into being grandma for almost mm-hmm. four years, yes. close proximity. Yes, which, you know. And was... I had reconnected with my four friends, right. or three friends that we had been friends with in Washington since the nineties. Right. And all of us that same year sold our homes and moved to different places. And so it wasn't just moving away from my grandkids; it's moving away from friends, and had to be purposeful at my neighborhood. I had to, you know. Be open to saying, you know, like, I didn't have anybody to meet. Literally, dad and I moved here. We didn't know a soul except right. for he knew us a couple of coworkers. That's it. And God showed up and provided friendships in just ways I wouldn't have planned. Yeah. And he's been using me. And I am so thankful. Like, 
my next door neighbor and coworkers at the school where I sub at. Right now I'm having the opportunity of working with a sweet, sweet lady that's 78. She has dementia and I am being blessed by spending those hours with her on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If I would have stayed in that place of not seeing past raising you guys and being in the present moment of mom, grandma, if I couldn't see past those things, I would have missed out. Yeah. And so I believe that God will allow us to balance all of it. And uh, I've been in a Zoom Bible study for the last year and a half with some gals on BSF, you know, gals in Georgia. And one of the gals in the Bible study is 90 years, 92 years old, signing into Zoom every Tuesday, doing Bible study with us. And to see somebody in their 90s still eager to learn about the Lord and what God's word says, we can all be mentors. I love to have older women in the Lord in my life, the Marians, the heroes of faith that give me what I need to be encouraged and also what I need to be like, say, Shelly, you need to, you know, trust the Lord in this area or um, we're not done until we're done. So I can be grandma. I could be hundred percent grandma. I could be hundred percent wife. I can be hundred percent mom, but I also can be a hundred percent servant. And it doesn't always mean in the church setting. It's in right. my neighborhood. It's, right. you know, at the school, it's, you know, the lady that I've come across I'm working with dementia just came through my dental hygienist. So we don't know what God's going to do, but I think he wants our heart to stay open and willing say, okay, Lord, I'm available, you know, yeah. whatever you have for me. And I don't have to conjure it up. I don't have to constantly be looking online or on indeed, or what should I apply for this job or that job? What am I uh, going to do with my time? Just give my day to the Lord and say, Lord, let me have the conversation with who I'm supposed to talk to. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's someone sitting t- next to you on the airplane, You know, I really believe those moments, God uses those moments, you know, Uh, random. This is just a little blip um, on Facebook in our community or a Valley community. Um, A gal just mentions looking for someone that knows about someone installing barn doors of all things, barn doors. Oh yeah. I know someone that the slave is a total stranger. We start messaging. They had just moved here from university place, Washington. And they were going to Pastor uh, Rogers Church there in Puyallup. Yeah, yeah. And been going there the last 20 years. And uh, we just had lunch together yesterday. And all that to say, come to find out, the guy that I tried to put her in touch with to do her barn doors, no longer even doing barn doors anymore. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Lord, you just meant for us to meet. You yeah. meant out of the universe. You know, she moves here from Washington, didn't know a soul. And we have developed a really sweet friendship. And so uh, only God can do that. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. But but see, it takes the, it takes the availability and the willingness Mm -hmm. that you, like, that's you, you, you to jump in and be like, I know somebody, um, Mm -hmm. you, you want to connect with somebody, you want to help them. Yeah. True. True. and and so totally the Lord, but like I, I just I have to acknowledge because so many people don't do that. They're either too busy, they mm-hmm. think about all of the the unknowns or the fears or the mm-hmm. whatever, right? And and you just see people as the opportunity to connect and love and get to yeah. know and and make feel loved mm-hmm. and special. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just love it. And I mm-hmm. I do like I think I think to myself in moments where 
yeah, I've had a few things recently happen where, you know, I've shared some of the stories with you and some of, you know, people in our churches and God, God gives me the eyes to see people the way I think he sees them in moments that mm-hmm. help pause my schedule, my busyness, my flesh, mm-hmm. and, and then just blows my mind with what he does if mm-hmm. I, if I'll actually step into those things. But you, you've modeled that our entire, mm-hmm. my entire 32 year life. And, and the fact that you're still doing it, I just love that mom. You inspire, you inspire yeah. me so yeah. much in that space Yeah. With, when it comes yeah. to people. Yeah. And then again, grandma, I mean, grandma yeah. does the same thing. She can tell she you does. story after story. She does. It could be somebody she meets at the grocery store. Yeah. You know, it's... needed help with something. It's, it's transferable to me and now it's transferable to you Yeah, and Landon to our yep. grandkids. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. It's so good. When I think about living a fulfilled life, and an impactful life, which I mean, this whole podcast, 52 episodes with 52 people who've impacted me, right? You're, you're the one who gave birth to me, mm-hmm. raised me. Um, mm-hmm. But, but the fact that you're still making an impact mm-hmm. with every day, surrendering it to the, surrendering it to the Lord and being open like that. Like you have, you have no idea how many people are, are impacted the way that they're impacted by you. And you may mm-hmm. not until you get to, to get to heaven, but like this lady you're talking about, who knows? Who knows the impact of you just ha- her having somebody to know now and have a friend, mm-hmm. have a community, you know, that could be impacting her in this season with mm-hmm. their transition. And so, that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. There's just, I think sometimes we lose sight of the, we that. Do. That that we do. that is just as significant to the father's heart mm-hmm. as whatever big thing we think we could we could try to do. I think God is just as glorified and just as pleased when He is watching those kind of moments transpire and he's like that is it that's my heart and Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we need to have more slowing and pausing and willingness to let go Mm -hmm. of what what we have planned or what we want so so we can have moments like that so true so true yeah well i i uh i ask this question every episode and Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure there's different ways you could answer it but i just would say whatever comes to your heart and mind as i ask it this time is probably what is the, the the thing to share, um, but I, I have such a passion to help people get freed up from the stuff holding them back. I just see a lot of people feel like mm-hmm. they have things they feel called to do or want to do, but they're held back by something or lots of things. Mm-hmm. And I just want to help people get freed up from those things so they can build up who God made them to be. Right. When you think about your life, when you think about like the two parts of it is your life looking back mm-hmm. and then even your life present what's something that you felt like held you back that you have overcome or you got freed up from that's helped you continue to step into being who you were made to be building that person and like those things so far back even or, mm-hmm. or maybe it's the same thing but, mm-hmm. but i, I kind of love a far back but then also a present like what do you feel like is is part of that journey right now um fear i think um the fear of rejection, the fear of uh, someone not being interested in what I'm saying or have to say about something, um, letting go of that and yeah. just, and just um, like I've mentioned, being prompted. Like if you're prompted to do something and you have the Lord in your life, uh, even if you don't have the Lord in your life, I still believe you are prompted to do something for people, period. Yeah. Right. And then you know that little voice inside of you when you didn't follow through with that, how that feels. Right. And you know, immediately when you said no to it, or you just kept driving anyways, or you didn't stop, 
um, or you didn't apologize to someone. Yeah. Don't let those things that you're afraid of stop you because, uh, you know, just a small little smidgen of, you know, we can get on our high horse sometime and I'm a very rule oriented person, you know, black and white. And when someone's not following the rules, you know, sometimes that can really get me going. And uh, God has used those moments sometimes to uh, realize that the rule wasn't that important, that I was willing to risk a relationship with my neighbor over yeah. something as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then having to humble myself because I didn't listen to the Lord and I had followed through with my, you know, my flesh. Yeah. And uh, it was an HOA situation in our neighborhood. And uh, to have to be humbled and go and knock on that person's door and apologize. It's like, okay, Lord, I am not going to let fear because I was just going to like let it go, let it go and just like not look at him when he pulled in his driveway. <laughs> yeah. And because it was fear, I was afraid to go apologize. Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is don't be afraid to apologize. Yeah. It opens the floodgates of blessings from the Lord for your life moving forward. If you can't apologize and forgive, yeah. it will hold you back. Yeah. So and you won't be built up. Yeah. And and you'll miss out on so many of the Lord's blessings. And you know, I've had relationships even when you guys were younger where I had to deal with some forgiveness stuff and yeah. uh what a freedom. I mean, yeah. I'm still in friendships 20 25 years later because I was willing to say I'm sorry. I blew it. I shouldn't have said that. You know, I didn't handle it the right way. So I would say don't let fear and don't let unforgiveness stop you from what the Lord has. I mean, he has a full life ahead of you Yeah. and don't let something that was so it's menial now, but probably was really big at the time that you thought it was worth sure. that relationship over. But really in the big picture, I just say there's nothing like forgiveness and it, it just lets your heart be filled with joy and just starts bubbling over yeah. because you're no longer bond in bondage to that. Yeah. And you know, unforgiveness leads to isolation, vice versa. And when you forgive, it just opens up your whole world and you just, yeah. you just see it differently. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. What, one last piece to this is, you know, we talked about your dating as a teenager, your mm -hmm. engagement, you're getting married at 18, mm -hmm. having a kid, two kids, uh, raising those kids, the transition from, them moving out of the house. Just this last piece that I think is so special about you and dad uh, is the fact that in August, you guys are celebrating 40 years of marriage and mm -hmm. the last, you know, 10 to 12 years or so or or more, yeah, 10 to 12 years has been empty nesting. Mm -hmm. And um, what I see in your guys' relationship is that it's still uh, pretty connected. Like, mm -hmm. You guys still like and love each other. Yes. And enjoy each other and enjoy doing things in life together and mm -hmm. uh, have a friendship. Um, I just, could you speak to that for a moment? Yeah. How How is that happening? Yeah. And what are you enjoying about this season, about being married in, in empty nesting? Again, not not to say it's all perfect or all that, right? Like we know that that's not yeah. true. But, no. but again, I just don't see a lot of that in the world and I go... And I think other people would go, how, how mm -hmm. is that happening? Cause I would like to have that in my own life. Um, right. So what comes to your mind and heart there? Um, 
you know, just over the weekend, I got my planner out and um, it made me think about years ago when dad and I were first married, we did like this thing where we sat down, did a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, 15-year plan of goals. And then um, I just thought of it over the weekend. We got our planner out. And I go, we need to do five-year goals again. Like, what, what do we want to see happen in the next five years? Yeah. Next 10 years, next 20 years, what have you. I think you are never too old to still have goals and dreams. And dad and I came to the conclusion, we just want to see a lot of places together. We still, there's a lot of places we still want to see and go and do. And on top of that, um, just being pers- purposeful in church, you know, yeah. you know, we were apprehensive of joining a small group again. And uh, cause like, okay, you know, but it's like, we're meeting neat people in our small group and you're never too old, even for a small group. Yeah. You know, so you can get in a place like I don't need that anymore. I've been there. I've I've done that. But I as much as we need them, they need us. And yeah. um, so I would say also just examples of, um, you know, I was in a women's Bible study at night and I really was missing dad on many nights, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I want to be in Bible study. But I really think it's important for my place to be home with my husband in the evening. He's been at work all day. And then if I'm not gone at night, then that's like a whole day we don't see each other, right? Yeah, Something right. as simple as that. And when I was making this decision, it was like, we just celebrated 39 years. And I really believe the Lord honored my decision to find the same type of Bible study, but online in the morning so that I could do that and still be available for dad at night. Yeah. Something as simple as that, I really believe God sees that I'm trying to make my husband a priority because we can get so busy, you know, five, six nights can go by. And if everyone's off doing the different things, that starts to create a, a distance in your relationship. Yeah. And so recognizing date nights and, you know, even though we don't have kids and stuff, it's still easy to go a long period of time without going on an official, like, let's go on a date. Let's go yeah. have, you know, uh, go to a concert or go to see a comedian or whatever. It's like, you still need those things to look forward to in your relationship. That's what keeps the fun there. Yeah. And also praying together. Dad and I pray together all the time. We pray for you guys, pray for our grandkids, pray for our nieces, nephews, family. Yeah. And save loved ones. I would say individually keeping the Lord first and then realizing that dad and I are on the same team. Yeah. Pulling for all of you guys. And so thankful, so thankful, but also we get to see the fruit of our prayers when you guys were young, seeing both of our sons love the Lord with all their hearts. And now they're both married to women who love the Lord with all their hearts. Yeah. And now we're seeing it trickle down to our grandsons and granddaughters. There's no greater gift than that. Yeah. And to see your kids love the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So good. What, what's, what's one of your favorite things, uh, about dad? When you think about him, when you think about that, that 18 year old young boy that pursued you and asked your dad for permission to date you to Mm -hmm. the almost 60 year old man that he is Mm going to be this year. What, what do you, what's one of the, what are your favorite things about him? Well, he'll still randomly say, you're my best friend. You know, I mean, still to this day, it'll be, it could be seven in the morning. You're my best friend, you know, and he still brings me coffee every single morning. He makes the coffee. He sets the timer at night. And we have our first cup of coffee together every morning. And yeah. so I just think that him making me feel like I'm still 
special. Like I'm like his girlfriend, you know, I'm his wife, you know, it's like he makes me feel loved and appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, I, I can't express in words how Mm. much I love you. I love you too. How much I've been uh, built up by you in my life. And, you know, just from the formidable years of being uh, in your house as a young you know, young boy to a young man to then the the years uh, how I, I've been out. You know, I'll never mm-hmm. forget driving to Modesto. Uh, was it Mother's Day weekend? I don't remember what it was. It was it was uh, tough. Yeah, right before gonna, Mother's Day. Yeah, I was going to mention that actually. It was I, the Monday morning right after Mother's Day. Yeah, two thousand and twelve. So, I remember. Uh, I dreaded going to work that morning because I knew when I got off work, you would be gone. Yeah. And um, one of the things you always did as a high schooler. You lined up all your shoes under your bed. Yeah. And when I walked up the stairs and opened your bedroom door and saw all your shoes gone, I lost it. Yeah. I just started crying. And yeah. that's when it hit me. He's gone. Yeah. And that that was just a few, what, four or five months before you got married, six yeah. months before you got married. But yeah. but yeah, that's when it's like, oh yeah, he's gone. But it was, yeah, it's a Monday after Mother's Day, 2012. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. this is, this is going to be... Let's see. This is going to be uh, go going live the Tuesday after Mother's Day of this year. Perfect. So perfect. yeah, perfect, perfect way to. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but just I, I the way you've still loved me and mm. it built me up as a man of God, as a husband, as a dad um, since that Monday, uh, 2012 of May uh, after Mother's Day to to now. Um, you know, I just. I don't know uh, a safer person mm. in my in my life that I could I could be broken, I could be struggling, I could be hurting, I could be happy, I'm all mm. those things that I could just I could call or text or whatever, show up at your door mm-hmm. and and know that I'm I'm gonna get loved and uh, just embraced in a way that. It, it, it's soul it's soul like it's not just the physical it's just um you're you're special and mm. you're you're you know obviously special to me but you're so special to so many people mom and i'm inspired by your life i love the faithfulness and the the consistency mm. um that you've been able to continue to love people so well mm. no matter where you're living or what your job or or non-job or transition you you You've found a way to keep people more important than things or time, and uh, it's marked me. Like I, mm. I want to be like that more and more because uh, I see Jesus all over it. Mm. So, um, and then the final thing, just watching you love my wife and the way that you care for her and pursue yes. her. We love Holly. Yeah, and uh, how she's gotten to develop a friendship with you—that is really special. Mm-hmm. And then the way you love my kids, mm-hmm. you know, I've just got yeah. to have an episode with uh, Holly's dad, my father-in-law, yes. Kelly, you know him Yes, uh, a couple episodes ago and talked about that with him, the way he loves our kids. But to to watch you be grandma mm-hmm. to Wes and Bo, Delaney and Joy, um, I could just, I could just sit and watch it all day. Like, yeah, you just are, you just are so oh. good at being grandma and loving them and engaging them and making them feel seen and, and, and loved and special and, and yet still the moments that need to be 
corrected or you know that's the hardest part it's the correcting yeah, part but you just do it so well so no, uh, love, love you a lot love wish you too. we could spend more time together and praying that that gets to happen more in the near future um, yeah. but thanks for taking the time to be a part of this today thank you for having me i love you and i'm very yeah. proud of you and thank i couldn't ask for anything more in a son yeah you're, appreciate you're, it you make me proud thank love you, you. love you too love you too well with that Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye.